You are listening to Give Grief a Chance, and I'm your host and advanced grief recovery specialist, Diane Morgan. And these podcasts are all about bringing grief awareness out into the world, because even today, my friends, grief is hidden and it's tucked away. So come along and join me on this journey. Let's start to bring grief out into the open and maybe you'll be brave enough to give your grief a voice. This is episode 138. Hello to all of my lovely podcast listeners and welcome to this week's episode. I hope that you're all doing really well And as always, I'd like to say a big thank you to each and every one of you who takes the time to listen to these podcasts. So this week, I will be talking to Calandrian Simpson Kemp. Now, February will mark the fourth annual National Gun Violence Survivors Week, which is February 1st through the 7th. And it's a week that's focused on sharing and amplifying the stories of gun violence survivors who live with the trauma of gun violence every day. And Calandrian Kemp is a gun violence survivor. And she's a volunteer with the Texas chapter of Mums Demand Action. In 2013, Calandrian's only son, George Kemp Jr., was shot and killed in Richmond, Texas, when he was 20 years old. Since that time, Calandrian has become a dedicated gun violence prevention advocate with Mums Demand Action and the Every Town Survivor Network. And in addition, Calandrian is also the founder of Village of Mothers, which is a non-profit organisation that supports mothers who've lost children in finding assistance they need. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Calandrian. Welcome to the podcast, Calandrian. It is great to have you here today. And thank you so much for having me. It's a truly pleasure to, to any chance I get a chance to talk about my son, George Kemp Jr. It is an honor to keep him alive in the atmosphere. So thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. So I'm going to dive in and I'm going to ask you my first question, which is, um, would you please share your lost story and your journey with grief? My grief started, um, I'm just going to say, I was going to say my grief started the day that my son, or should I say my pain started the day that my son was murdered, but I can, I'm going to take it back a little further as mothers. My pain started with those contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, um, it started with giving life. And then in 2013, when I got the phone call that my son, George Kemp was murdered, that began the elevation of that pain. Um, when my baby was shot and killed and George is my only son. And so that journey, I thought it really truly, and I know a lot of women deal with this, that it cripples you. It just knocks the wind out of you. And for me to listen to the investigator over the phone telling me 
that my child was no longer here. Because when he said George was shot, I said, okay, well, tell me what hospital. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to stay calm. And when he said, no, I'm sorry to tell you, George did not survive. And just that phrase right there, I just became very still because I knew I just, if I continued to talk, I felt like now the wheels are going to start rolling in this new journey. But if I just stayed still, the life that I knew that George was here was still present in my mind. And for me to be able to say, okay, now what hospital? And he said, no, ma'am, I'm sorry to tell you, George didn't survive. And I just could not believe. And I just kept telling him, you mean to tell me that this child I gave birth to is no longer here? Are you sure about that? And he was like, well, yes, ma'am. And I just like, I couldn't believe. Like, so what happened? Like, who would shoot my child? Who would take George from his family? And so that elevated the pain to grief. Um, this journey has been nine years. And I had to say, I was going to the cemetery so much because I couldn't understand in my mind, where did I put George? I understood we, I went through the motions of, yes, we had a funeral, but I was so detached from everything. My daughter really stepped into that space to help me. So I thank God that I had that family support, but my daughter to be, to lead the way for our family. Um, but then after the fact of burying George, just trying to understand where did I put him? His room is still here, but George is not here. You go on the front porch, I see all the flowers from the funeral. So my mind, something happened. What happened? Mm. And I kept going to the cemetery so much and laying on my son's grave. Even I would just wake up in the morning and run to the cemetery. And I still be in my night clothes. I would just be there sobbing and wailing and looking at the fresh flowers. And like, how did my baby get in under the earth? It didn't make sense to me. And so this journey of grief and anger um, propelled me to get out of the cemetery. My son, I felt him kept saying, mama, just stop, stop. You're going to hurt yourself. Like, go help others the way that you've always helped me. And so taking that new journey of leaving the cemetery saying, okay, I'll tell you what. And I have to tell myself, I have a seed in the ground. So now I must get up and take this grief by the horns and now I got to do something with it. And that's when I, I did. And then I was able to start the village of mothers because no one looked like me. You have so many people around you that tell you, I'm sorry for your loss that attend the services. Um, family and friends go away by the wayside and I'm still sitting stuck on my front porch looking for my son to come home. And I felt God just saying, Clandria, you got to do it. And that's what I did. I, so I started the Village Mothers. Now, I would love to know about a favorite memory that you have of George Jr. One of my favorites is when George was raised in church. And that's what our life centered around. And George always wanted to be a servant meaning he would see the men in the suits um, 
be taking leadership roles in the church and they're, you know, passing the offering buckets and things like that. So George always said, mom, I want to be a leader in the church. And I was like, you can do that. But he he was very strong in his faith at an early age. And when um, on on the way home one day from church, George said, mom, I want to be baptized because his nickname, we called him Holy. That was his nickname. Yes, because he would be outside playing and I'll open the door and I would be screaming, George, George, because I'm calling him. He wouldn't answer. But if I said, holy, and I hear down the street, ma'am, and he comes running. So he thought he was holy for some reason. I don't know. But the greatest memory is that George said he wanted to be baptized. And I said, oh, you do. Do you understand all that? He said, yes, ma'am. So we, George made the confession at church. And that Sunday, George and his dad got baptized together. Wow, really? So that was one of the special greatest moments that I have, that him and his dad got baptized together. And we made it a big family day. Um, George convinced his dad that, hey, if I go to heaven, you got to be there too. He did not want to be without his dad. And he got baptized. And after church, I have I still have this photo that George was hugging my waist and he was just holding and squeezing me. Uh-huh. And for me as a mom that is geared by my faith and moved by my faith, that my child and I have that precious memory of my child made a decision that he wanted to be baptized. And I have that precious photo commemorating that day of him hugging me that's the greatest gift I feel that I have as a mom other than my son never been getting married but just to know that he had a heart for God that's beautiful that's beautiful Colombian how did you mm-hmm. how did you first get involved or come to know about every town then um it was like in 2014 when I was sitting on my porch I was getting so frustrated Um, I was trying to figure out how to navigate here in Houston to bring awareness about gun violence, to make people see see me um, and just be very, I wanted to be very transparent with my grief. I didn't feel like I have to take ownership of this grief myself. Mm -hmm. So one day I was sitting on my porch and I was just thumbing through my phone and I came across the Wear Orange event that June. And I was like, wow, wear orange. That is George's favorite color. His colors are orange and blue. But I was like, George, are you speaking to me? Mm -hmm. So automatically, I just thought I did the, you know, text to get involved. And I did that. And then eventually someone called me back. And I went to one of their first meetings here um, at Central Market um, location. I mean, Whole Foods um, grocery store is where they have their their meeting. And I went and met everyone. And from there, the rest is history. Wow. So I felt like George was sending me a place to go. That is great. There are no coincidences, right? Right. Absolutely not. Absolutely. And every town is like a main, it's the main organization, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say your why is in working with every town and what motivates you to continue this work? My why is because there were no other national gun violence prevention organizations 
that I knew of at that time. And what they stood for and the training that they give the volunteers regarding gun violence, like they're very focused on changing the laws. Because my biggest thing was for my son's case was, as a mother, I wanted to know where the guns come from. Right. What harmed and took my child from us. And so just their consistency that they have, um, the training that they give volunteers and the um, the annual Gun Sense University um, trainings that we are allowed to go to, to be with other survivors that let you know that you're not by yourself across this country and this is a national issue. And it is a pen, it, it is a health crisis as far as I'm concerned. And so using their platforms to elevate on the local levels, as well as the national and federal levels, um, really motivates me to keep going. But my son definitely keeps me going because George says to me all the time when he was younger, mom, thank you for what you do for, do for me. But George knew I was an advocate for him in school as well, um, making sure that he got the services that he needed because George had ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times with those children, they want to push them in the corner and I would not allow them. I would always make sure that they knew George Kemp was going to be present and we was going to work in a collaborative effort to do so. And so this platforms with... Um, on the local level as well with uh, Moms Demand Action and every town, it allows me to utilize those same skills that I did with George to be able to make a change. Wow, that's great. So this episode, um, this podcast will be airing during National Gun Violence Survivors Week. So why mm -hmm. is this time of year so important? And how can we support survivors at this critical time and throughout the year? It's very important to have a week reflecting on gun violence survivors, because again, I said a lot of survivors, they do grieve in silence. They do take their fight in silence. One thing I did learn, um, I do a lot of work on both sides of the fence. I do work with police shooting victims um, organizations, as well as for gun violence. And one thing that I, do, I have learned, not to minimize one or the other, but it is various variables, should I say. We have the same common denominator. Somebody was right. shot, but there are different variables in each of these um, arenas. So, but one thing with um, in that when you're dealing with families, with police, you have a policy books that you can go through and you can see where the violations were, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know how to advocate to fight to make those changes. But when you are... Um, a survivor of gun violence, you don't really have a platform that you can think about at a particular time of how do I fight this? What, how do I go to make the change? And so now you get involved with Moms Demand Action in every town, and they really help you to really look at the laws that are on the books for your local level, as well as, you know, in the state. And so it helps you to use your voice to be able to comb through those laws, to be able to say, well, this is a dangerous bill. So because I lost my loved one, this was preventable. And so it is important to highlight those stories of those that have been lost, those have been injured, and those that are still present, um, that have been, and, and also for family members that have been impacted, because this 
is very unmeasurable, the grief, the impact that families suffer. Oh, and God. so highlighting this is very important because when you talk about gun violence in communities, especially of African-Americans, it's almost mm -hmm. like the norm and people don't really take it very serious. It's always like it's their problem. It's not my problem. But we want to always elevate that gun violence is not just um, in African-American communities. Uh, it was a street violence. You know, we need to elevate all violence, whether right. it was domestic violence, uh, whether it was mass shootings, whether it was by suicide, or whatever the plethora of violence that someone was impacted or injured or life stolen by a gun, we have to continue to do that. And, and I think having this national week is going to be always impactful. And I think it will give families a chance to really highlight what they're going through, going through, but also be empowered that the world sees them too. You know, we only hear, I'm sure, like a, hardly anything on the news. We only know what we hear on the news, but there must Absolutely. be so many, so many that just we never hear about. Right. And, you know, every day over a hundred, hundreds of um, people are shot every day by gun violence. Wow. And, and I think it's imperative that we continue this work on the front lines, <clears throat> excuse me, to continue to bring, to highlight what is harming and toxifying our communities. Um, especially on the news, you hear about um, gun violence, whether somebody was shooting at the police or the police shot somebody. All I ever hear in the news now is the words shot, shoot, shooting. Yeah. That's all you hear. Yeah. And then they go to commercial break and as if they are normalizing it but they're not really talking about any solutions to gun violence. And so I think if we continue to elevate our voices um, in gun violence and supporting Moms Demand Action in every town, that I believe the culture of activism um, would let others know that you too can get involved. So if anyone wants to get involved, they can go to the everytown.org uh, website and get involved. That's great, because that was going to be my next question. Is, oh. <laughs> you know, how can we get involved in good in the gun violence prevention movement? But the beautiful thing is a lot of people think, well, that's their problem. Mm. That's not my problem. But I say to anyone that if you care about gun violence in your community on a local level, because that's exactly yep. where you're going to see it, sure. you can utilize your talents whether great or small, to be involved, whether you like to do data entry, it's a pet plethora of things that you can do. So if you um, like to make those phone calls to the legislators, um, whether you need to um, do, like I say, make phone calls, data entry, or just even contacting a survivor, whatever it is that you can lend an offer for, for whatever time that you feel that you want to volunteer for, we all can make a difference utilizing our gifts and talents for this right. cause to end gun violence. Right. You know, Calandrian, I want to thank you today so much for taking the time to come on to this podcast. I know that you're a super busy lady. You have a lot <laughs> of things to do. 
And uh, thank you for sharing your memories of George with us and informing us about these really great much need and much needed organizations. And hopefully, you know, this week, you'll be able to spread the word and people will get involved in this movement. So thank you so much for being on thank the Thank you as well. And if you have any mothers that would, that are out there that are grieving in silence, mm -hmm. they don't have to do that. They can get in contact with me through the village of mothers. Nate, uh, I'm sorry, let me say that again. If you have any other mothers that are out there that are grieving in silence and they want to mm -hmm. know how to be connected, they can contact me at the village of mothers nationwide at gmail.com. Great. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Okay, you lovely people. That is it for this week's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it and that it was helpful for you. If you'd like to find out more about my services and programs, then please visit my website, givegriefachance.com. There you can drop me an email, you can ask a question, or you can share a story via voice message, and I'll be happy to play it on the podcast. And while you're over there, why don't you check out my free gifts to you? There's a guided meditation to help you sleep, a grief recovery ebook with 61 tips on the experience of grief and how to move through it, plus my fillable grief worksheets, which will help you to process your memories, thoughts and emotions. So please feel free to use them. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate it, like it and share it. And if you feel like it, come and join me on Instagram at Give Grief a Chance Coach. And last but not least, I would like to invite any women who might be struggling with their grief to come and join us in a safe and nurturing group on Facebook. It's called Life After Loss with Diane Morgan and I would be honoured if you would come and join us and give your grief a voice. Okay, my friends, take good care and have a wonderful week.